Uh, this week, I was running in my neighborhood, and I was just a few uh, doors away from my home, and I ran by this little boy who was about four years old, and he was playing basketball with his dad. And as I ran by, he stopped, he held the basketball, and he, and he looked at me, and he said, why are you running? And it was such an honest and wonderful question. You could see the wheels turning for him because he's going, nobody's chasing you. And why don't you look like an adult, a reasonably mature adult? So why don't you have a car like my dad if you're just trying to get somewhere? He was really kind of stumped and, uh, and troubled with this. See, one of the things that I love about kids is they ask questions that adults don't ask. And so kids just, they don't have filters that adults have. And so they ask questions. And questions are good. Questions allow us to learn. Questions allow us to challenge ourselves, challenge others, etc. In fact, this whole series about the law, we're in week four of a five-week series where we're looking at the first half of the Old Testament and seeing how important the law was in terms of God setting up life for his people. God created everything, and he set this all up, and he set some laws up at the beginning. And we've been asking questions. The title of every message in this series is a question. That, that how did this whole thing all begin? God started with, with his people, and, and yeah, there's this creation story, and there's a, a question that sets, us, that, that sets us all up. That, that, that Why did God put that one tree in the garden? We're asking questions throughout this series. Why did God give us the Ten Commandments? What's the significance of those ten things as a foundation for how we are to live life? Questions are important. Next week, the question is going to be, can we make up our own laws? Can, can we make up our own rules as we roll through this? This morning, the question is, what happens when we break the rules? What happens when we break the laws? This morning, we're looking at a story in the Old Testament, a story of King David, with whom we're all familiar. But there's a story with King David and a woman named Bathsheba. And this is a story that we all know. Even if you don't know the story, if you've never heard of Bathsheba, you still know the classic story. Boy meets girl, or more technically, boy sees girl bathing on the top of a nearby building. Girl is married to a man who's a soldier in boy's army. So boy sends said husband on the front lines of a battle so that he would certainly die in that battle so that boy could then be with wife, uh, with girl, and boy is, is with girl. Classic story. Classic story that we're all familiar with, that we all know. This is King David. He is the king of God's people. He is the leader, the one that God has chosen, the one that we've celebrated, celebrate as, as the greatest king in all of Israel's history. And here in one series of decisions, in one story, he breaks five of the Ten Commandments. He, he worships someone other than God. He commits adultery. He commits murder. He bears false witness by not talking about, not telling people what actually had happened. And he covets his neighbor's wife. Five of the commandments right there. What happens when we, not if, but when we break the rules, we break the laws? That's what we're going to look at here today. Would you bow your heads with me again as we head into this? Father, I thank you for your grace. Your grace is always with us as we are honest about, about our brokenness, about our mistakes. And so we invite your grace here into this room. God, I ask that you would allow us to be courageous enough right here in this room to be honest 
about who we are, about the things that only you know about, God. I pray that, that you would come and meet us in that honesty, that you would bring us freedom and remind us here in this room today what it means to trust you with everything, even our mistakes. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. There's a reason this morning that I'm not reading through the story of David and Bathsheba. I'm not going to pull that out. I'm not going to walk out that story um, because I think there's a better question. There's a more important question. Again, questions are important. And a question that is more important than what did David do is how did David respond? How did David respond to the, the, the story that we find in 2 Samuel chapter 11. That's where the David and Bathsheba story is. It's a great story. But what makes this story unique in the Old Testament is not only do we have the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we also have David's journal about how he responded to that situation. It's found in, in the book of Psalms. Psalm 51. He wrote a song about his situation. The whole thing is about the story with Bathsheba. Psalm 51. And David famously says in verse 10 of that psalm, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He doesn't deny what he had done. He doesn't defend what he had done. He comes before the Lord and he says, my heart is broken. It's black. I need a new one. Create in me a new heart, a pure heart, God. And then he says in verse 11, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. This is interesting. There are only two times that the Holy Spirit is referred to by name in the Old Testament. This is one of those times. David mentions the Holy Spirit because David knows God. He has a relationship with God. He has a, an intimate relationship with God. He is a songwriter about, about ways to connect with God. He's written many, most of the Psalms in, uh, in this book. There's 150 Psalms in here. Most of them are written by David. He knows God. He knows the, 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 the Holy Spirit who really hasn't revealed himself until, uh, until uh, centuries later. He knows where his freedom will come from. And so he says, just the one thing I can't lose is, is my presence. Do, do not take your presence away from me. That when we, don't, when we don't have a relationship with God, there's nothing to stop us from spiraling out of control. There's nothing to stop us from just, from stop the spinning. That we just say, I just stop everything. All I need is you, God. All I need is you. He continues, verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore my joy, David says. This is ironic because typically when we make decisions to break God's laws, to break the, the rules, the boundaries that are around us in terms of how we are to interact, etc., typically when we do that, it's for the pursuit of joy. Boy sees girl bathing on the top of a, of a building next to his. And so that's, it's the pursuit of joy that often leads us to breaking the rules that God has for us. But the reality is that when we break the law, we destroy joy. It's no fun to walk around in a lie. It's no fun to, to walk around with a secret that we just try to hide and protect, to walk around with guilt and shame, not, one, not knowing when the house of cards is just going to 
crumble, it's going to fall down. And so David says, I, I want to recover my joy. God, would you restore my joy? I'm short on joy. I'm confident some of you here in this room can relate to the idea of being short on joy. And David says, whatever happens here, I, 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 I need my joy to be restored. David responds very well to his indiscretions. In Psalm 51, we see a great response. What did David, how did David respond is a better question than what did David do. But there's even a better question than that. I think a more important question than that in this story. How did David get from Bathsheba to Psalm 51? How did David get from making that mistake to responding in the way that I just read? Did David walk away from the scenario and then just think, whoa, I've got to make this right? Did he have a conviction in his heart and feel like he needed to make a better decision here? Did he hear a song on Caleb and it just stirred something in him emotionally and he needed to respond in some way? No, that's not what happened. In fact, if you look at the end of that chapter, the story of David and Bathsheba is 2 Samuel chapter 11. I'll just put it up on the screen here, but the very last verse of that story reads, after the time of mourning was over, this is the mourning for Bathsheba's husband who died in battle. David had her, Bathsheba, brought to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. There's no evidence in here that it displeased David. There's no evidence in here that David was going, I've done something wrong and I must do something about it. All we see from this story, and as we roll into the next chapter, is that David was ready to allow himself to get away with murder. David was on a pathway to say, I think I can get away with it. And he was king, so he was more likely than anybody to get away with something like that. He was on a pathway to get away with it. So how did David go from Bathsheba to Psalm 51? One name. Nathan. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the next chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 12, which is where we find a friend of David named Nathan who tells David a story about two men. He says there's, there's one man who has, who's wealthy and powerful and has lots of sheep, many different sheep that he gets to, to take care of and, and, and get wealthy from, etc. Then there's another man who is very poor and has no power and has only one sheep. It's a little baby lamb that, that's a, that he has, has nurtured from a little lamb pup and has, and has taken care of and fed. And it says in the story that he treated this little lamb like a daughter. And so this was, this was a lovable little lamb that this one poor man had. This man over here who has countless sheep wanted to host a party. And so he needed to kill a lamb to feed the guests at his party. Instead of taking one of the many sheep that he had, he went to the one poor man who had one little daughter-like lamb, took his lamb, 
and killed it for the party. Nathan tells David this party, and David is furious. He's the king. You want to be careful when you make the king furious. He says in verse 5, David burned with anger against the man, the man who, the wealthy man in the story, and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. That's an interesting story. He must die and even above that, pay four times over for the lamb. You would think those would be flipped around somehow, but, but here's the story. He's going to die and he's going to pay for this lamb. David is incensed. He is filled with anger. He is furious because of this injustice that he's witnessing. Here's this story, that the wealthy and powerful take advantage of the weak and the poor. And David says, I will have none of this. He's so angry. And Nathan boldly says to him, King, you are that man. You are that man. And this is what led to David writing Psalm 51. He, he was willing and ready to get away with his sin until Nathan had revealed it, had showed him a different perspective to say, that is what your sin looks like to God. My hope this morning with, with, this, uh, with this message is not to stir up guilt and shame for any of you, for anything that you've done. That's, that's not what God does. That's not a tool on God's belt is to throw guilt and shame and, and point fingers. That's not what God does. My hope this morning is not to talk through the, the details of the consequences of sin. Most of us are aware of that on many levels, and, and so that's not what we're doing today. My hope this morning is that you and I as we look at our lives, as we look at our past, that we hear the voice of Nathan. There are very few Nathans in this world. There are very few Nathans in our lives who truly know what's going on and love us enough and are courageous enough to challenge us. Few of us have Nathans, but all of us need one because we've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. Most of us in this room have made errors that we have not dealt with. That here in this, in this story, we have, um, uh, it's possible to read the story, 2 Samuel chapter 11, to read the story and just kind of go, well, that's not me. <laughs> I can't relate to that. I, I didn't commit adultery. I didn't murder anyone. And so I'm fine. It's possible for us to, to, to look at our own story, look at our own breaking of the law and say, well, at least I'm not like him. At least I'm not like her. It's a natural thing for us to compare just to make sure as long as there's somebody worse, then we can feel better about ourselves and maybe we can just kind of move on. It's a natural thing for us to do. And it is not a good idea. That's why I, I didn't spend any time on the details of David's story, because it doesn't really matter what David did, how, how much David fell from what God had for him and all the different ways that he was king and he did this, uh, this, this, this heinous thing. Those details are not what matter. What matters is what you are doing. 
It's what you have done, what I have done. So what is your Bathsheba? Have you been unfaithful and no one knows about it? Is there some other secret in your life that, that you feel okay with just trying to carry with you? Do you struggle with gossip or jealousy or slander? Do you struggle with, with wasting the resources that God has given you, time or money? And, and maybe it's not, it'd be hard to kind of call it sin, but you're just wasting significant resources that God's given you? Has there been some kind, of, some kind of moment in your life, some big moment where there was either a decision or a series of decisions that were really kind of a defining moment for you, like this was for David and his story with Bathsheba? Maybe it was 10 years ago. Maybe it was 10 months ago, but it was that, that one thing that perhaps hasn't fully been dealt with yet. Or maybe it's not one big thing. And, and, and so for you, it's hard to identify that one thing, that Bathsheba, but it's just a bunch of small things over a long period of time, just little lies, just, just little ways that, that you are taking advantage of somebody else for your own benefit, just little things that build up over time. You know, if you ride a bike, there's no difference between a blowout and a slow leak. You still got to replace, you still got to fix the tire. So if it's one, one big moment, or just a slow leak over time, you still have to repair the tire. If, 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 if the heart is dark, if, if the joy needs to be restored, we still need to do something about it. This morning, I'm not talking about stuff that you've already dealt with. Okay, if you have a pathway because there's something in your life, some part of your past, and you've dealt with it. You've written your version of Psalm 51. You've dealt with it with the people that you've hurt. And it said, I'm not trying to dig up stuff that's been forgiven and dealt with. That is, that is done. That is taken care of. That's awesome. You are free from that. I'm talking about the stuff that we think we're getting away with. The stuff that maybe we think, God hasn't struck me with lightning yet. And so, so maybe he's not all that displeased with it, and maybe I'm going to be okay. Just kind of be careful. I don't see, it's not, there's not even thunder in the skies. It's that kind of stuff. Do we have a Bathsheba that we're ready to just move on to chapter 12 with? A Bathsheba, a blowout, or a slow leak? Do you have something in your life that has not yet been dealt with? I'm going to ask you, if something came to mind, I'm just going to ask you to set that aside for a minute. Just put it on the shelf. Just set it on the side. Because I want to ask you a completely different question. I want you to think back to some of the movies or books that you most like, most have enjoyed in your life. Think back to the worst villain in any movie or book that you've ever read or seen. The worst villain. Think about the moment when that villain did the worst possible thing you could manage, imagine the most heinous thing that just, just drove you crazy. You wanted to dive into the book. You wanted to dive onto the screen to fix this situation because that's not right. You watch this thing and there's something happening and you're just so upset about it. Maybe it's the warden from Shawshank Redemption. 
And he's just so unfair to a guy who didn't even, didn't even do what they said he did. Maybe it's the stepmother from Cinderella. And that story has always disturbed you from when you were three years old and you heard that story. And you just, you just were so disturbed by that, that vile, wicked woman. How could she treat that loving, sweet servant Cinderella the way she did? Or maybe it's Thanos from the Avengers. And you just, you had to see the second part because you, this thing had to get fixed. There's no way a guy that's that big and mean and nasty, there's no way he could win. The Robert Downey Jr. has to win this, this battle. He's just so upset about this whole thing. What's a, who's the villain that you're just most stirred up about? Somebody that you watch and you just say, that can't be, that is not right. That is injustice. Somebody who's wealthy and powerful or, or is taking advantage of somebody who is not. And it just, it just stirs something up in you. For any of you who are familiar with the Hunger Games story, it's unlikely that, you, that we forget this short scene from the first movie that I want to just show for you. It's just one minute long. Check this out. just a collection of random cells. We can't be. Because otherwise, why would something like that, even if you're not even all that familiar with the story, why does something like that stir something within us? Why does, does injustice do so much to our insides to say that's not right when people are taken advantage of? when the capital and all the wealth there creates these hunger games so that, so that people who are poor would fight against each other for others' entertainment. It's just not right when a sweet little girl dies. It's not right. When you watch your villain do the most vile and heinous thing, when it stirs up rage in you, I want you to hear the voice of Nathan. You are that person. When, when you and I continue to walk out a broken law, a broken rule, a broken boundary that God has given us, when we continue to benefit for something personally that hurts others 
and we are okay with getting away with it, you are that person. You see, that's what Nathan did with David. He told him a story that stirred him up so much and then flipped it around and said, it's you. So when we watch the, most, the worst villain we could imagine and it stirs something in us, hear the voice of Nathan, it's you. It's me. You are that person. I have one more question before I close here today. And this question is going to force us to, to back up a little bit. Back up, not just from the story of David or even the Old Testament story, but just back up and look at the, the whole story of human existence. If, if David could make that kind of a mistake, break the multiple laws the way he did, and then he could respond the way he did in Psalm 51 and then be restored as king of Israel. As you look back at the whole story and our versions of our stories, our Bathshebas, why do we need Jesus? Where does Jesus fit into this? If we can screw up like that, and confess like that and be restored, then why do we need Jesus? Isn't that enough? Isn't that story enough that, that God responds to our confession and, and God takes care of things? Isn't that the gospel, the message? What's missing? Why do we need the Jesus part? Because when you look at the whole story of David, he was not fully restored. This moment with David and Bathsheba it changed everything for him. He was this rising king. He's the greatest king Israel's ever known. But from that point on, things did not go well. The son that Bathsheba was pregnant with, Bathsheba came to live with him. She did give birth to that son. And that little boy died. One of David's daughters was raped by her half-brother. And that half-brother was killed by another one of David's sons. And then another son, Absalom, betrayed David and tried to take over his throne and actually kicked David out of Jerusalem. He had to exile and flee from Jerusalem, his city, the city of David. Things did not go well for him. At the end of Nathan's challenge to David in verse 10, he says, Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. David was not fully restored. What's the payment? What is the cost of David's mistake? Death. Death, betrayal, loss, pain. That was the cost of David's journey. Because that's what the Old Testament says, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for a life. What is the payment for your mistake, for your Bathsheba, for your blowout, for your slow leak? It's death. It's the same story. It's the same God. It's death on a cross. You see, you don't have to die because Jesus took care of that part. No one has to die because Jesus died as payment for your and my Bathsheba. David 
could not be fully restored, but you and I can. That's the difference, and it's a huge difference. You can be fully restored. See, the bad news is that it's still a very big deal when we break the laws of God. It's a very big deal. It always has been, always will be a very big deal when we make decisions that are for our own benefit that hurt others. God hates sin. He did 3,000 years ago and he still does today. He hates what our Bathshebas are doing to marriages and to ourselves and to our souls and to our futures and to our kids, etc. God hates all of that stuff. And that's why it's still a big deal. We still need to hear Nathan say, you are that person. There's, it's important for us to, to, in the same way that David felt the weight of his sin, it's important for us to continue to feel the weight of his sin and not take grace for granted and just say, ah, no big deal. We need to understand we are that person. But the good news is that we don't have to die. No one has to die. That's taken care of by Jesus. No one has to die for you to be fully restored. That's what the baptism symbol is all about. That's what baptism is all about. That's, the baptism wasn't around with the Old Testament journey. It's a New Testament experience where Jesus says, you go under the water and it represents you being washed clean. You're, you're washed and you come up out of the water, a new person, a new creation with new life because of what Jesus is doing in your life. You're fully restored. No matter what your past is, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've thought, no matter what you've done, it's all covered, but there's both sides to it. We don't want to take it for granted. It matters. Our brokenness, our sin, our Bathshebas still matter, but we can have full restoration, and that is good news. That is the gospel. You and I can be fully restored, coming up out of the water, new men and women, That's it for this morning. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray with you before, I, before we dismiss. Father, I pray for each and every heart, each and every mind here in this room, for those who are courageous enough to, uh, to think about a Bathsheba, to think about a blowout or a slow leak in our, in our lives. God, I pray that we would hear the voice of Nathan here in this room that we would not just excuse or ignore our mistakes, our breaking of the law, but that we would understand we are that villain when we make selfish decisions that hurt others, God. Not, not for the sake of, of, of bringing guilt and shame for any of us here in this room, but you want to bring us freedom. You want to bring us restoration so that one year from now, we're not dealing with the same things over and over again, but we are fully restored, God. Would you lead us to that place, we pray. In the name of your Son, amen.